Now, before we get started today, I got to ask you about the Olympics. We got to we got to make some some headway here. We got to cover a few things. Has anybody been watching the Olympics? Yeah. <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> yeah. Been watching the Olympics? Um I want to give us a, a, a winter Olympics vocabulary test real quick, and y'all just uh, call it out, oral test. I'm going to uh, call out a word, and you tell me what it means, or its symbolism, or, or whatever. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? So I know it's, just, I know it's just, uh, a lower crowd today because of the rain and the parades, but I'm going to need, uh, need some answers here. Ready? Here we go. Stray dogs. Stray dogs. They're killing puppies? What? Oh, is that why they're so, I just knew there were a bunch of stray dogs running around. I just, I just figured it was Russia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this kid wants to adopt four. And I didn't think it was, I didn't think you could legally bring them in from other countries. But they're doing it somehow because they're coming, all the athletes have like five dogs. They're going to get here and regret it. All right, here's one, you ready? Twizzle, twizzles. Close. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah. The the it's it's it the twizzle. This is this is the twizzle right there. And then there's a twizzle. Uh, Jerry is is very much up on his twizzles. <clears throat> These are our gold medal uh, finalists, uh, the gold medal winners. Uh, Davis and White. That's right. I knew it was White. White was one of them. So uh, here's here's another one. Curling, curling. Anybody know what it is though? Hang on, hang on. Go ahead. That's right, and that's as, as much as any Southern American knows about curling, right? This is curling. Look at that slide. Now, I did some research on this, and I'm told the best sliders are the best curlers. That's, that's what I was told. She's excited. Um, I don't know what the brooms do. I, I hear they heat up the ice. And it makes it go smoother. Um, there's two brooms sometimes. Sometimes there's one broom. Sometimes a rock will hit a rock and knock a rock out. And some people will rub a broom next to the rock that's going. I don't know what's going on. I know there's a bullseye.
that was gnarly last night. I don't know how they didn't break their necks. Yeah, he, they just went. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't go into a curve. They just like hit the curb, <laughs> curve, and it was, a, and they were laying on sliding on their heads. So, anybody been keeping up with the uh, Evgeny Plushenko saga? Hey now, you know the story. You want to tell us the story? <clears throat> Yeah. Hey, now here's here's the problem here, and I know that you didn't realize that there was a problem, but there's a serious problem, and I want to make sure that it is addressed. Okay. The media has been hiding it from us, and so I'm bringing it out. Four years ago, Evgeny Plashenko was rocking the mullet. You see the mullet? Look at that. There's his wife. And a huge portrait somewhere in Russia of the two of them. I mean, look at look, go to the next one. Look at that thing. It is it is amazing. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. Look at that. All the way down to the shoulder. That's a mullet. The mullet is what carried him to gold last four years ago, right? This is this is what this is what helped him win gold. The media didn't want to say anything about it. Four years ago, and I know some of us were here, some of us weren't. Four years ago, I hammered this home. And what happened? It won gold. The mullet won gold. This year? The mullet's gone. Look at that. He's a mortal man, just like anybody else. And what happened? No mullet, no gold. What happened? He got hurt. Everybody says, oh, he's 35 years old or whatever. It was his last Olympics, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. No, it was the mullet. It's not there. It's the same thing with Samson, right? No, please understand, I'm kidding, all right? So don't, don't, don't get confused here, all right? Samson's a different story. But the media's been hiding it from us. And uh, today we're going to look in Haggai about something that has been hidden as we've walked through it, but it's been an underlying problem that we need to address and that God is going to address himself. Um, so the problem is that has not been brought up is this. God has promised a Savior from the tribe of Judah. That's where Jerusalem is. Here's the problem. When the Babylonians came in and took Judah and took everybody out of Jerusalem, there's no more Judah. There's no more Jerusalem. Therefore, there's no more Savior. At least this is what everyone is thinking. And so God has promised a Savior from the tribe of Judah, and there is no more Judah. And if there's no more Judah, there's no more Messiah. And this is a huge dilemma that has not been brought up until now. Now, you're going to read this and go, I don't see it, but we're going to walk through it. Haggai 2, 20 through 24. Haggai 2, 20 through 24. It says, The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Okay? So uh, in the biblical months and days, this was Chislev the 24th. <laughs> 
this was actually, if we translate it to our calendar, December 18th, 520 B.C. Now, it's the same day that the previous prophecy was given uh, that we looked at last week in verses 10 through 19. Um, December 18th, 520 B.C. <clears throat> Verse 21. It says, Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, he's one of the guys that, we, that has been called upon constantly, Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. Now, here God is speaking to Zerubbabel, and in the past, um, he's, he's spoken to everyone. But now he's speaking just to Zerubbabel alone. Not the leaders, the other leaders, and the high priests, and not everybody in Israel, just Zerubbabel. And he, and he throws down some pretty apocalyptic talk here. Uh, it says, I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth. Now, if this was just the earth, we can go, okay, it's an earthquake. You know, we can understand this. Not necessarily apocalyptic. End times type stuff, but not necessarily. But he says he's going to shake the heavens and the earth. And so the question that is going to be coming to their minds is, wait, wait, wait. So we're talking about the end here. Is, is this the... Is this the Messiah coming to do this? Because, you know, we haven't been back long, and, and we're just now rebuilding the, the wall. Remember, they took the wall, I mean the uh, temple, rather, and they were, they were building in it, and they just had the foundation. And then God, the book of Haggai, is about building, rebuilding the temple. And so they got to it when, when Haggai laid down the word of the Lord to them. And they, they followed him, which is rare. I mean, when, when somebody, when, when we go to church and we hear a message, how often do we go home and go, I'm applying it to my life? I mean, we'll, we'll leave and go, man, that's a good message. I got to apply it. I got to do that. I got to do that. And then Tuesday hits and it's gone, right? I mean, this is why churches um, used to have Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night service, because it just flies out of your heart. I mean, you just forget about it all the time. And, and what happened here is they didn't forget because they had been in exile. They had been slaves. And so when God said, rebuild my house, this is why you don't have any crops growing. This is why you're being punished or, or uh, disciplined. They got to it. And they started building the wall. And uh, the temple was, you know, like I said last week, God is, you know, watching and uh he's still watching today he still watches us and so they went after it and so they're asking we're rebuilding the temple what does it take what what's going on verse 22 i will overturn overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms i will overthrow chariots and their drivers horses and their riders and their riders will fall each by the sword of his brother so god is speaking to them about the end times, and, and this is a good time to, to plug our next series, The End of the World as We Know It. Uh, Zach's, Zach's going to speak in, about the apologetics like once a month, and not next week because he won't be here, but uh, the week after that, we'll either do that or start that series, and we're going to get into some details. And I can tell you right now, the end of the world is not something where you go, this is how it's going to happen. You read it and you go, oh, that makes sense, and then you read this and you go, well, that makes sense, too, but it doesn't seem to 
how does the, how do the two come together? You know, and then if you know anything about the end of the end of time and the way God's going to do it, you've got people who say, well, there's going to be this tribulation period, and then Jesus is going to return, and oh, Jesus is going to return, and then there's going to be tribulation, and then there's post-trib, pre-trib, pie-trib. I, I don't know. There's all kinds of tribs, and and so there's a lot of confusion. We're not going to get into that. We're just going to look at the facts of what Jesus says, and we're going to start walking through Matthew. Uh, 24 and uh, we're not we're not even going to get into revelation yet that'll come a little bit later i mean all of all of this stuff is crazy but here jesus or god is talking in terms that they'll understand presidents premiers for us this is i'm translating it for us dictators they're all going to be overthrown under the power of christ and god is speaking to them in the same way royal thrones will be shattered foreign kingdoms gone Armies will not prevail, and they will fail in confusion, um, and they'll start killing each other. This actually happened with a guy named Gideon. God made an army that was coming up against him, and Israel confused, and they started attacking each other. So this is not unprecedented. This is something that, that can happen. And the question that they're asking here that is under, under the radar is this, okay, are you going to do this, God, or is the Messiah going to do this? Is, is, is the one that you have called, you have chosen, going to do this? Now, there's another problem that needs to be addressed in the Olympics, and I want to bring it out again. I know it's a small crowd, but we can, we can proliferate it. We can be the, the voice for getting this stuff out. almost said InfoWars, but that's just the sticker that I see out there. I don't know if they're crazy or not. So <laughs> when you hear people are like, InfoWars. Uh, here's, the, here's the other dilemma. Y'all know who this guy is? Put that up there. Y'all know who this guy is? Who's he? Anybody know his name? David Wise. David Wise. Now, David is 23 years old, and he won the gold medal in the men's freestyle skiing halfpipe competition. And according to the media, it was David Wise's alternative lifestyle that pushed him to gold. Does anyone, anybody know what his alternative lifestyle is? He's married with a kid. That's his alternative lifestyle. That's what they attribute to that. Um, I want to read a, I want to read an article to you and and uh, I don't know I don't know what this says about our culture but it's it's, it's funny to me uh, nonetheless David Wise always has seemed unique but now he's really one of a kind he's arguably the best men's freestyle skier in the world yet he do, it just doesn't fit the carefree happy go lucky freestyle skiing mold. That didn't stop the 23-year-old American from grabbing historic gold in the first-ever Olympic freestyle skiing men's half-pipe in Sochi on Tuesday. Wise is a husband and father of a young daughter, Nayeli. He is a devout Christian who met his wife, Lexi, at a youth church camp and has said in many interviews that it is his faith and family that motivate him. That's not to say the rest of the freestyle skiing crowd is a bunch of heathens. But it does appear to be a more free-spirited bunch that seems more in line with the radical deviation from the accepted norm that is the sport itself. <laughs> I hope I can get through this. 
Take Canada's Justin Dory, one of the top-ranked top freestyle skiers in the world. He says on the team website, freestyleski.com, that, one, <laughs> that the one thing he never leaves home without is his guitar and that his greatest fear is being abducted by aliens. <laughs> I don't know how to overcome it, he claimed. They're coming. <laughs> they're, they're coming. So if you know this kid, he's a funny kid. The native of Reno, back to, to Wise, a gambling city, uh, ironically, for a guy who only gambles for gold in his half-pipe routines and never at the slots, has achieved greatness in his chosen athletic field by separating himself apart from the competition. John Branch from the New York Times recently referred to him as the undude. <laughs> he wrote in the uh, article... In the niche of the action sports world, which he now dominates, Wise is the counterculture to the counterculture. He is the undude. One of the undude's main sponsors, for goodness sake, is Pampers. <laughs> Wise and his wife used to have to buy the disposable diapers in bulk at Costco for Nieli, now two years old, so it is a sponsorship marriage made in heaven for the Wise family, but not one that many other extreme sports heroes would seek out or embrace. <laughs> so this guy is different because he's normal, uh, you know, if that, makes, if that makes sense. But that's not what's, what's really normal any, anymore. But that's something that we needed to address. We needed to address that. And in verse 23... God is going to address this question that they have. And I love how Haggai writes here. He writes it with such a cliffhanger because here's the thing. In your life, there are so many times where you don't know you have a problem until the problem arises and it can be too late. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Say you have friction in a friendship and you don't know about it. You know, you ever been there? Like something's going on and finally you finally you're like acting weird do we want to talk about it and you realize that they've hated you for six months or eight months or a year or something like that they've had this grudge against you you know something like that and so in, ver in verse 23 god is going to address this problem in in uh, this cliffhanger <clears throat> and he brings it all together he says on that day declares the lord almighty i will take you my servant zerubbabel son of shealtiel declares the lord and i will make you like my signet rings for i have chosen you declares the Lord Almighty. Y'all see that? Anybody see it? There's Jesus right there. Anybody see it? Let me explain. He's there, I promise. Notice Zerubbabel is not referred to as the governor in this verse. He's referred to as God's servant. This, is, this was and is the constant reference to the Messiah in the Old Testament. He also refers to uh, his father again, Shealtiel. Shealtiel was a descendant of Judah, which makes Zerubbabel a descendant of Judah. He also tells Zerubbabel that he will be God's signet ring. Now, the signet ring was basically a ring that doubled as a stamper, um, but it represented the ultimate authority. Uh, it corresponded with the crown and the throne and, and the scepter. And, and this ring was used to seal decrees. So we'll pretend like this is my signet ring, okay? And 
I'm sorry. So if I, <laughs> no, I didn't bring one for everyone, I'm sorry. We do have enough for everyone in our house, though. So if I take an envelope and I seal it, I would take my ring, and normally there would be wax here, and you would press down on it. I wish this worked. <laughs> Can y'all see that? And in the wax would be the words that were written on your ring. And if this seal was broken by anyone other than the person who was supposed to open it, you would die. I mean, you were dead. They'd kill you instantly. And this is why, uh, if you know the story of um, um, Daniel in the lion's den, the uh, king who threw him into uh, the lion's den, he, he made the law and he sealed it with the signet ring and David was thrown into the lion's den. Then he realized that it was a mistake. So why didn't he go and, and pull Daniel out? It was because he had stamped it with his ring. His power was already on there. Now, in our culture, we go, well, that's silly. But for them to go, be, go behind the back of the king, for the king to change his mind uh, and not allow the established time period to pass, uh, it would have been uh, a horrible, horrible thing. So, Zerubbabel is also called the chosen one. Now, this isn't matrix talk, okay? This is God speaking very clearly for Zerubbabel to understand that the resumption of the messianic line that was interrupted by the exile is going to continue through him. He was to understand that the Messiah was going to come through his lineage, the lineage of Judah. And so this is backed up. You see this in Matthew 1, 12, uh, where, where Jesus is... is uh, in the lineage uh, of Zerubbabel, you see it in the other lineage that is listed in Luke 3.27. And so, this problem that they had, that they kind of knew they had, that we did not know that we had, is now solved. And God, in his perfect timing, establishes and, and says, this is how it's going to work. And in your life, he's going to do the same thing. There are going to be problems that crop up that you didn't know you had, but God already knew. God has known about them, and he is working in them, and he is going, if you follow him, he is going to work through these problems that you have. Life is messy. It is very messy. And we don't know what's going on with other people. We don't know what's going on in our own hearts sometimes. It just kind of sneaks up on us, you know, and all of a sudden, boom, oh, wow, mm, I've got a problem. God knows about this problem, and he is there for you, and he is going to work in your life and work for you. Now, this is just the perfect time as we finish up Haggai and as we uh, talk about uh, the Messiah here. It's the perfect time to stop and celebrate the Messiah himself, and so... Twice now, Haggai has pointed to Jesus who is going to come in the flesh for them, for us. He has already done so. And uh, Zach, if you want to come on up. Uh, and he taught us to, how to love, how to live our lives. He taught us how to um, walk with him. And he taught us what it looks like to defeat death. Now that's a huge thing because I haven't figured that out yet.
but he has trumped death. 